Christmas has its stories, tales of long ago. Santa and his reindeer, sleigh rides in the snow. Scrooge and Christmas spirits, gifts beneath a tree. Shepherds with a host of angels, wise men on their knees. But the stories we're narrating without further hesitating, because we don't want to keep you waiting. Because the song's not captivating the message you're anticipating. I hope you're all concentrating. Are the tales of the trees? All right. So it was the day before Christmas, and Rabbit decided that he needed a Christmas tree. And so he put on his mittens, and he put on his scarf, and he went off into the woods to search for the Christmas tree, one that was just his size. Well, as he is walking through the woods, he encountered Squirrel. And Squirrel said, what are you doing, Rabbit? And Rabbit said, I am looking for the Christmas tree for myself. It's got to be the perfect one, though, because it has to be just my size. Well, Squirrel said, well, a perfect Christmas tree would be just your size, but it would also be bushy like my tail. You need to find a Christmas tree that is bushy. Oh, thought Rabbit. And he looked around, and he didn't see any trees that fit the bill. And he's like, where would I find a tree that's bushy? And Squirrel said, well, well maybe you need to go off and look into the far field. And so Rabbit went on his way, and he went into the far field, and he looked for a tree that was just his size, and he looked for a tree that was bushy, and he thought he found one when he was interrupted by Mole. And Mole said, what are you doing, Rabbit? He said, well, I'm looking for a Christmas tree. I need one that's bushy. I need one that's just my size. And Mole said, oh, but you need a tree that's pointy, too, like my nose. So Rabbit looked around. And he didn't see any trees that were just his size and were bushy and also pointy like Mole's nose. And he's like, what am I going to do? And Mole said, well, maybe you need to go look down by the stream. And so he went down to the stream and he looked around and he was trying to find the perfect Christmas tree, one that was just his size and one that was bushy and one that was pointy. And Cardinal interrupted him. And Cardinal said, well, what are you doing there, Rabbit? And Rabbit said, well, I'm looking for the perfect Christmas tree. Of course, it's just the right size, and it has to be bushy, and it has to be pointy. And Cardinal, standing there in his beautiful red coat, said, well, you know what? The perfect Christmas tree should also be colorful. You need something that's very, very dark green. Well, Rabbit looked and thought, I don't know if I see any trees like that. Where, where, should, where should I look? And, and, and Cardinal said, well, maybe you need to go look at the high meadow. And so he went off to the high meadow, and he was looking for the perfect Christmas tree, one that was just his size, and one that was bushy, and one that was pointy, and one that was a deep green. When one walked, who walked by but Skunk? And Skunk said, what are you doing, Rabbit? And Rabbit said, well, I'm looking for... The perfect Christmas tree. It's got to be just my size. It's got to be bushy. It's got to be pointy. It's got to be a deep color green. And Skunk said, oh, what you need is you need a Christmas tree that smells like Christmas. (laughs) 
Well, Rabbit wasn't quite sure where to find that, and so he wandered off to the mountain, and he was looking around and trying to find the tree that was just his size, and that was bushy, and that had a pointy top, and that was dark green, and that smelled like Christmas, when who walked out of the thicket? But deer. And deer said, what are you doing, Rabbit? And Rabbit said, I'm looking for the perfect Christmas tree but I just can't find it. I'm trying to find one that's just my size and one that's bushy and one that's pointy and one that's green and one that smells like Christmas. And Deer said, is there even such a thing as a perfect Christmas tree? And that's the question that I want to start with here this morning. Is there anything such as the perfect Christmas tree? And let's change that question just a little bit. Is there anything such as the perfect Christmas. Now, if I ask you that question, what does the perfect Christmas look like? You could probably give me an answer because there's probably an idea in, that you have in your mind of what the perfect Christmas would look like. The perfect Christmas would look like this. All the kids sleep in until at least 8 o'clock, right? And the perfect Christmas would be this, that all the kids actually like the gifts that you bought them. The perfect Christmas might be the fact that the relatives show up on time and not early, and not late, and that they leave on time, too. That would be the perfect Christmas. The perfect Christmas would be one where nobody fights, where everybody gets along. The perfect Christmas would be this, where the actual bonus that you get from work covers the cost of Christmas. The thought. That would be the perfect Christmas, though, wouldn't it? And the perfect Christmas would be where it snows on Christmas Eve and where the trees are just flocked with that, and as you look out the window, it's just like, you know, like white Christmas. That's the perfect Christmas. Probably not on the list would be your mother-in-law camping out in the kitchen to tell you just how you are doing the turkey wrong. That would not be the perfect Christmas. Or your husband telling some embarrassing story about you at the work party. Or your coworker making some weird face when she opens up the gift that you bought her for Christmas. Or your kids telling you that compared to the rest of the neighborhood, your house decorations look really lame and they're ashamed to live at your house. Those would not be the perfect Christmas says. See, what wouldn't be on the list was anybody's opinion about anything. What constitutes a perfect Christmas tree? What constitutes a perfect Christmas? What you should be doing for Christmas, how you're just not measuring up for Christmas, how you're just not in the Christmas spirit like everybody needs you to be. And what are we talking about here? What is it that ruins actually the perfect Christmas for us? It's actually often the opinions of others. But what are those opinions all based on? And what do those opinions, whether it's a tree or, or whether it's a party or whether it's the Christmas morning, what are those based on? They are based on this idea of expectations. See, when I say Christmas, everybody has this idea of what Christmas should be, but that idea of what Christmas should be is actually your expectation of Christmas. And actually, a lot of times, the reality of Christmas and the expectations of Christmas don't match up very well, do they? And that's the problem. And sometimes we get to the end of Christmas and we're disappointed because Christmas has just not lived up to those expectations. And we could feel frustrated or disappointed or angry or depressed or exasperated or hopeless. You can pick your emotions. But here's what's true. As long as there has been Christmas, there has been disappointed 
in unfulfilled expectations. Think about it. If you go back to the very first Christmas, don't you think that Joseph had different expectations from what actually happened? He was going to marry Mary, and then they were going to have this family, and every, it didn't work out that way, did it? When he married Mary, she was already pregnant, and I'm sure that Joseph's expectations had been disappointed. Think about Mary. What do you think her expectations were for the first child that she would have and what that birth would be like? I'm sure she envisioned her mom there and family there and and everybody helping her. She brought that child into the world. I don't think she was probably thinking, oh, I hope I give birth to a baby in a barn. That sounds like fun. Disappointed expectations. The world expected that a Messiah to come how? As a king. And power and glory and majesty. And he came as a helpless baby. And the world's expectations were disappointed too. Because as long as there's been Christian or Christmas, there's been expectations that have been disappointed. And as long as there's people, there's going to be disappointed expectations as well. And we all deal with these expectations because we are human, and expectations are part of the human experience. But we deal with these expectations that we place on ourselves. And we all have these expectations of ourselves, and sometimes we're actually disappointed in ourselves in the fact that we didn't live up to our own expectations. We have expectations that we place on others. How we expect them to act, how them to behave, what they should be doing, who they should be, and we place these expectations on others. There are the expectations that others place on us, and sometimes we feel this at the Christmas season. Everybody seems to have an opinion of what I'm supposed to be doing, where I'm supposed to be, how I'm supposed to act, all these different things for Christmas. And we feel the expectations that others place on us. We have expectations, actually, that we place on God. You ever experienced this where God just, you know, this is what we expect and God does something different? But we have expectations that we place on God. We have expectations that we place on events or experiences. And we... we Make something magical and mystical in our minds. In fact, we hallmark something. Christmas, which, by the way, did anybody wander downtown Clarkston last night? Yeah, it was, it was pretty hallmarky, wasn't it? So I went to the Christmas parade. My wife is sick in bed right now. But I went to the Christmas parade by myself, and uh, it was great fun. And Santa made it to Clarkston. I don't know if he's made it to Waterford yet, but hey, for all of us who live in Clarkston, you're in good shape. But we have these expectations of what Christmas is going to be like, and we just develop these in our mind, and then it doesn't turn out the way that we want it to turn out, and we end up disappointed, and we deal with all of these expectations in our lives. And by the way, expectations are not actually a bad thing. They can be misused, and they can be mismanaged, but expectations are just part of what life is. So how do we deal with them, especially at this Christmas season, in a healthy way? And so what I want to do is I want to look at a story in the book of Luke. This is not the Christmas story. This is a story of Jesus. And this is a story of Jesus and John the Baptist and Jesus talking to the crowd. And we're going to look a little bit at the story this morning from a a different angle. We actually looked at this story when we talked about John the Baptist last spring in in our Wilderness Guide series. But we're looking at Luke chapter 7. This story also appears in Mark, or excuse me, Matthew chapter 11. And they're pretty similar. There's a few details that are different in these two different stories. But as we look at it this morning, I want to look at it from this angle of expectations. Because I think all of us could probably use a little bit of help 
when it comes to Christmas because you already have your Christmas expectation of what this season's going to be like for you or of what people are going to act like in this or what you are sensing from other people, but we are dealing with this expectations issue. So let's read this story, and as we read this story, admittedly, we're looking at this story in a little different angle because we're observing what happens in this story more than we're digging out everything that Jesus has to say. But it starts in verse number 18. John's disciples told him about all these things. What are these things that John's disciples are telling him about? These things are some of the miracles that Jesus has done. And two of the most recent ones is he has just uh, healed the centurion servant. And he has just met the widow outside of Nain and brought her child back to life. These are pretty impressive. And so the disciples come back and tell John about this. But why do they have to come tell John? Because John's actually sitting in prison at this point. He's tried to do the right thing. He's confronted Herod and he's paid the price for it. Now he's sitting in prison. And so they come back and they tell him about these things. And Jesus called, or not Jesus, John called the two of them. And he said to them, he sent them, excuse me, verse number 19, to the Lord to ask, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? Seems like an odd question, doesn't it? That he's just gotten a report that he has healed the centurion's servant. He's just gotten the report that he's brought the widow's son at Nain back to life. And now he's asking this question, are you really the Messiah? It seems pretty obvious to me. But why did he ask that question? Well, he asked that question because his expectations were not being met. See, John had been there when Jesus had been baptized. John had seen the dove come down. John had heard the voice, this is my beloved son. John knew that Jesus was who he claimed to be. So why does he ask this question? I believe he asked this question because he's thinking, well, okay, if Jesus is really God and Jesus just really can do all these miracles, why in the world am I sitting here in prison? Like, uh, don't you think Jesus could get me out here? And John's expectations were not being met and they were being frustrated Because he had something else in mind. And I asked this before, but has God ever disappointed you? See, John's saying, hey, you are not meeting my expectations. And what does Jesus answer back? And we're about to read it here. Jesus answers back, maybe you need to adjust your expectations. Let's read it. When the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to you to ask, are you the one who was to come? Or should we expect somebody else? Verse number 21. At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits. He gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. And what Jesus is actually doing here is he's quoting from the prophet Isaiah. And you can find these verses, it's kind of a mashup of of verses from chapter 19, chapter 35, and chapter 61. But they're all prophecies about the coming Messiah in his ministry of healing and doing good things. And so Jesus is saying to John here, hey, If you were expecting something over here that I'm disappointing, you're just looking at the wrong thing. 
Because if you really look at what I'm doing here, you're going to know that I am the Messiah. And then he says something interesting there in verse number 23. He says, but if you're going to be my follower, John, and this is for all of us, there are going to be times when even I disappoint your expectations. And you could read that last verse there that we read, verse number 23, this way. Blessed is the person who is not tripped up by unfulfilled or disappointed spiritual expectations. And that's a little bit of a side note, but it's interesting, isn't it? As we look at on this passage here and deal with expectations. So John communicates expectations that he's placed on Jesus and Jesus responds, though, in an interesting way, and we'll get that in a minute. Keep reading here. After John's messengers left, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? And so we shift into a different expectation here. We could rephrase that verse to be this way. What did you go out to see, or what did you expect? Did you expect a reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you... Go out to see. What do you expect? A man dressed in fine clothes? No. Those who wear expensive clothes and indulgent luxury are in palaces. What did you expect? What did you go out to see? A prophet? Well, yeah. You actually got what you were expecting here. You went out to see not just a prophet, but somebody who is more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. I will send my messenger ahead of you. You didn't just get a prophet. You got the prophet. You got the one that all the Old Testament prophets talked about as the forerunner. So don't be disappointed in John, even though he's asking this question about me. Don't be disappointed here because he actually was fulfilling your expectation. I tell you, verse number 28, among those born of women, there is no one greater than John. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Whatever your expectations were of John, don't be disappointed. He's what you think and more so. However, verse number 29, all the people, even the tax collectors, when they heard Jesus' words, acknowledged that God's way was right because they had been baptized by John. Those are the people who had their expectations fulfilled in John. But the Pharisees and the experts in the law rejected God's purpose for them because they had not been baptized by John. And what does that mean? Basically, it means that your expectations actually somewhat predict the result. Or you could read it the other way. What you read the result as being will affect your expectations. But those who expected John to be a prophet got what they expected, and those who expected him not to be a prophet, well, that's exactly what they got too. But we have two different stories of expectations here. John's expectations of Jesus the people's expectations of John, but we're not done with the expectations in this story. So let's keep reading through the next section here. Jesus went on to say, to what then can I compare the people of this generation? Or who can I compare you to? What are you like? They are like or children sitting in the marketplace and calling out to each other. We played the pipe for you, but you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not cry. For John the Baptist came neither eating nor drinking wine, and you said he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and you say he's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by our children. What is the point here? What's the parable even about the children? Jesus is saying, you know what? No matter what John does for some of you, no matter what I do for some of you, 
you're still going to be disappointed. And just like children who can't be made happy because if somebody plays them happy music, it's like, no, I don't want to hear that. And if somebody plays them sad music, no, I don't want to hear that. Jesus is saying, for some of you, there's nothing that either John or that I can do that will ever live up to what your expectations are. And no matter what we do, you are still going to be disappointed. But the reason is because it's not John and it's not me. Your disappointment has far more to do with you than with us. But in this story, there are three examples of three different expectations that are pretty clear. And so what I want to do here this morning is I want to start with what we know about expectations. I want to talk a little bit about how expectations become a problem to us, especially even as we deal with it this Christmas season. And then I want to finish by going back to the story and say, what did Jesus do here as he faced these expectations of people, and what can we learn from his response. So first of all, what do we know? First of all, expectations are normal and a natural part of life. In fact, they're necessary and they're valid. We all have expectations, and most of our expectations are pretty, pretty normal and, and helpful. For instance, as you drove to church this morning, you had expectations that the people coming in the opposite direction were going to stay to the right. Those are expectations. They're not stated. We don't even think about them, but they're expectations. You come this morning to church with expectations. Uh, you're expecting that I'm going to open up the scripture and going to share something that will hopefully be helpful or encouraging or challenging to you. We all have these expectations. There's nothing inherently wrong with expectations. Secondly, expectations are really key to healthy relationships. Healthy relationships are relationships where expectations are understood and where expectations are honored and where expectations are followed or kept or whatever word you want to use to describe that. In fact, when we have expectations that are, aren't fulfilled, that's typically when we have relational conflict. You didn't do what I was expecting, and that's the problem. And so we have our rubs in, in, in our friction because of expectations. But if we have our expectations well-defined, well-expressed, well-developed, that leads to healthy relationships. But expectations, the third thing, what we know about them, is that they're built on some concept of what we think things should be. So my expectations for you are based on some concept in my mind of how I think you should be or how I think you should act or what I think you should do. And that's the same thing, even the, the expectations that you have on me as a person, or maybe the expectations that you have on me as a pastor, they're built on some concept that you have of this is what you're supposed to do. And I just say that that's the obvious, but that's helpful to us as we start to unpack the challenges and the problems that come with expectations. So when do expectations become a problem? First of all, they become a problem to us when our expectations are unreasonable. Expectations become a problem when they're unreasonable. And uh, when they're unreasonable is, is when they tend to be more about one person than the other. Or they're more about you making me happy or you fulfilling a role in my life or you satisfying some, taking care of some need that I have. When expectations head in that direction... They're unreasonable. 
And a lot of us, we face those sometimes people's expectations that, that they place on you and like, okay, that's all about you, isn't it? Well, those are unreasonable expectations because reasonable expectations should have some reciprocity or, or mutuality to it. Uh, and, and sometimes, you know, where we see this is like expectations sometimes that we put on our kids. You know, I expect you to get straight A's. In fact, I expect you to never miss a problem. I, I expect you to go into this field and have this career so that you can have this kind of money so that you can take care of my, in my old age. We have all these expectations, and we put them on people, but if we're completely honest, sometimes they're a lot more about us than they are about the other person. They're unreasonable when they have no flexibility. And sometimes we get these expectations, it's like, this has to be this way, and we can't swerve, or we can't veer off course here at all. Those are unreasonable. And, and we like to do these in institutions, and we like to throw out policies that are, are like, these are our expectations, and that's fair. But sometimes we forget that every situation is a little bit different, every person's a little bit different, and so maybe even an expectation I have over here may not be the same it needs to be over here, because the people are different, or the situations change. But when they're inflexible, they're unreasonable. They're unreasonable when they're extreme and difficult to fulfill. And I think all of us have had that situation where we have come to understand what somebody's expectations that were of us, and we're like, how do you do that? I think, you know, where, where churches are like that is when they hire a new pastor. Like, they go through and they list all the criteria that they want the pastor to be. And I'm like, well... Jesus already came and left. Now what are you going to do? But sometimes that's what our expectations are of people, something that's extreme and difficult to fulfill. Ex uh, expectations are unreasonable when they're given as a tool to control or to manipulate behavior. You ever experienced that? Where somebody says, well, this is what I expect of you, or I expected better of you, or don't disappoint me. And we've used those expectations to force somebody into a behavior that we're looking for. And we really don't necessarily have their best interest in mind. Expectations are unreasonable when their fulfillment still doesn't satisfy the problem. Here's an unreasonable expectation we get to Christmas. And Christmas is going to solve all of our family problems. Probably not. In fact, probably the opposite is going to happen. It's going to point out some of the ones that we have, but we look for this event or this experience as a means to satisfy or fix the problem, and it's not going to happen. Those are unreasonable expectations. Expectations become a problem also when they're unexpressed or unarticulated. This is a, a marriage problem, I think, a lot. Like, um, you've had that conversation, what's the matter? Nothing. <laughs> well, what's the matter is, you didn't meet my expectations. Okay, what do you mean by nothing? Nothing. Okay, well, you know, okay, so what were you expecting? Nothing. Okay, we, and, and so one mate sitting over there in the dark going, I have no clue what we're even talking about. And what we're talking about is we're talking about expectations that didn't get met. But why is the one person in the dark? Because they've never been expressed or articulated. And I think we need to keep that in mind sometimes when somebody disappoints their, your expectations. Maybe they weren't trying to disappoint you. Maybe they just didn't know. 
And so they become a problem when they're unexpressed or unarticulated. They become a problem when they are unrecognized. Do you realize that we, you and I, we all have expectations that we probably don't even know about? Christmas is another great example of that. You know, when you first get married, you have this expectation of what Christmas is supposed to be like based on what you grew up in. The person you married grew up in a totally different home, and they have a totally different idea of what Christmas is supposed to look like. And you're like, okay. And we start to discover those things. But even in our relationships, we have unrecognized expectations that kind of we just grew up with, and it's familiar to us. And we need to be aware of that, and they can become a problem. They can become a problem when they seem to be conflicting. This is great, isn't it? Again, another Christmas thing, you know, it's like both parents want us to be, you know, grandparents want us to be there on Christmas Day. Perfect. One lives in Boston, one lives in Phoenix. How do we do this? And neither one is exactly right or wrong in their expectations, but they conflict, and we get into that sometimes, you know. Uh, the, the expectation of the boss is to work overtime. The expectation of the family is that you're actually there to to be with them. And we go through life and we struggle with expectations because they often conflict. Lastly, expectations become a problem when they're given inappropriate power. And some of us are very much driven by expectations, either that we have of other people or that other people have of us, and we struggle with that. So what do we do Sometimes we're just like, okay, I just try to make everybody happy. When we try to make everybody happy, we're giving expectations inappropriate power. Expectations may or may not be reasonable. But expectations, just as a general rule, are not just like, okay, whatever they are, here we go. We have to sort that out. And so we have these expectation problems that come along. How in the world do we deal with them? How do we navigate them? And this is where I think this story is instructive to us. And so let's look at what Jesus did here as he had to navigate what you might say were unreasonable or maybe even unspoken or inflexible or, or pick your word expectations of him. What did he do? Here we go. First thing, be aware, but don't be beholden. Be aware of expectations, but don't be beholden. Jesus knew what the expectations of the people were. He had that advantage, partly of being God. In fact, he's addressing expectations here that have never been said out loud. But he just reads the crowd, knows what's going on in their hearts, and says, okay, let's talk about this. And so he says, hey, let's talk about your expectations. But you don't see anything in this story, whether with John or with the crowd, where he says, okay, now that I know what they are, here, I'll try to meet them, and I'll try to fulfill them, and I'll try to satisfy them. He doesn't do that. Now, it wasn't that Jesus was unconcerned. It wasn't that he was unaware. It wasn't that he was insensitive. It was simply this, that he made his decisions based on a different criteria. He wasn't simply trying to do what people wanted. He was trying to do what was best, and even what was best for those people. So he was committed to those people, just not to their expectations. And sometimes I think we need to remind ourselves that other people's uh, expectations are not our personal mandate. And we need to remind ourselves sometimes, too, that the expectations that we put on others are not their personal mandate. But Jesus was able to say, okay, I know what they are, but that doesn't mean that I have to 
fall in line here. Secondly, determine what is right. He determined what is right versus what was expected. And when we're dealing with the, expect the, the expectations of others, the whole idea of loving your neighbor is not tossed out the window. We're still responsible to love our neighbor. And, and the whole idea of being humble and being serving and, 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 and putting others first, that's still there. But we need to evaluate that by a little bit different uh, criteria than expectations. We need to evaluate that by what are the actual needs of others. So we need to be more concerned about meeting the needs of others than the expectations of others. We need to be more concerned about meeting the needs of others than the expectations of others. And they are not the same thing. And the expectations of others oftentimes are maybe centered on their felt needs or what they want or even their selfish desires. But they do have real needs and we can still reach out to people in their need. Even if we have to say, I'm not sure I can fulfill what your expectations are, I can still step into that area of need. Think about what Jesus had just done here. He had just healed the centurion servant. He had just brought a son back to life. And he says, I've healed the blind, I've healed the lame, I've, I've healed the deaf, I've cast out demons, all of these things. Jesus was still doing right by these people. He just wasn't overly concerned about their expectations. And so sometimes when we get into these situations like, okay, I cannot fulfill these expectations, that doesn't mean that I just chuck the whole thing and say, well, you're on your own here. It's that we look at this and say, okay, maybe the expectations aren't reasonable, but what are the needs of these people, this parent, this child, this coworker, whatever, that I can still meet that need and I can still show love and maybe even show grace in the process. Thirdly, don't accept a weight that is not yours. And Jesus said, you have these expectations, John. People, you have these expectations. Guess what? Those are yours, not mine. And people use expectations a lot of times in our stories and they put weights on us and we accept them. And we say, like, you know, if I don't fulfill this expectation, this person's going to be really mad at me, or this person's going to be offended, or this person's going to be, you know, just silent through all Christmas. You are not responsible for another person's happiness. And even Jesus is saying this, is like, you know, like, there are things I can control, and there are things I can't control here in this situation. And so I'm going to focus on the things that I can control, and that's that I do the right thing here. I can't control how you respond to that. And as you deal with expectations, that's really what you're responsible for is doing what you should do, not what others want you to do. That means, though, that you might have to be okay with disappointing people. People might be disappointed with you. They shouldn't be offended by how you handle the situation. That's wrong. But there may be a time where you say, I just can't meet that expectation. Because either it's not reasonable or maybe it's not even healthy or maybe it's not appropriate. And so where we may have to say, okay, you know what, I realize you're going to be disappointed, but I really am trying to do the right thing. What's interesting here, Jesus disappointed people, but he never wronged them. And there's some way to do both, and that may be a, a hard line to follow there. But don't accept a weight that's not yours. Fourthly here, talk through expectations. And this is actually what's going on in the story. And I realize there's not much of a conversation or dialogue here. This is pretty much monologue. 
But Jesus is actually saying, let's, let's get this on the table. Your expectations of me or of John, or John, your expectations of me, let's, let's just discuss this. And this is something that, that I have discovered even with Kelly, and is that, you know what? We have disappointments when we don't actually have conversations. And so sometimes, like, I will say to her where something's coming up, I'm like, okay, what are your expectations for this? Because I've gone through, and we've gone through events and experiences where we get done, and one of us is frustrated, the other one's frustrated, and the reason we're frustrated is because the other person had no idea. And so when we're dealing with expectations, if you have expectations that you need to express to somebody, and they can be reasonable and fair and, and, and fine, then express them. Say, hey, here's kind of what I'm expecting here. What are you expecting? And let's talk about that. And sometimes we can kind of merge our expectations so everybody's on the same page. And what Jesus is saying here is your expectations are not reasonable. Let me tell you what your expectations should be. Fifth, check the children. What? There's a weird phrase at the end of verse number 35 there. It says, wisdom is proved right by all her children. What in the world does this have to do with anything that's going on in this passage? The idea here is look and see what's running around because that'll tell you how you're doing with this. And so as we look at our relationships or we look at our situations, look and see what's going on. If everybody's unhappy, if everybody's bickering, if everybody's pouting or whatever else like that, then what you've got here is you've got some expectation issues. And if these expectations are dealing, you're dealing with in a healthy way, well, then the children are going to be happy. But if you're not dealing with expectations in a good way, the children are going to be a mess. And the children are all these different relationships or events or things or situations. You can define children how you want, but there will be indicators out there that something's not right. And so we need to be tuned into that, though, to say, okay, What's going on here? Oh, do we have an expectations problem? And how do we deal with this now? And you can back up to those first four things and say maybe this is how we deal with it. Finally here, be careful about your own personal expectations. And I think this is just a warning to all of us because it's really easy to sit here this morning and say, oh, this is how I'm going to deal with this difficult person who has these impossible expectations for me this Christmas. But there's also the question that we need to ask. Am I that person who is imposing either unreasonable or unexpressed or impossible or unrecognized, whatever, conflicting expectations on other people? I might be. And I doubt that John had any idea that he was imposing his expectations on Jesus. And Jesus is a little bit calling him out here and saying, well, but you are, John. And so there's a little bit where Jesus is calling us out here this morning to say, hey, be careful about your expectations that you place on others, even that you place on God. Because sometimes we want God to be in our image. And to do what we think he should do and to act like we think he should act like. And we put our expectations on him and they're not even reasonable. And so, 
We need to be careful about the expectations that we place on other people. We need to be also careful about the expectations that we place on events, and even, like even Christmas. I hope you have a great Christmas. I really do. I want one too. My kids are arriving this week, so we have to do ours early. But I have big expectations. But those expectations, though, I need to be really, really careful. Because my Christmas, if, 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 if it's measured by those expectations, there's a good chance there's going to be disappointment. And so we need to be careful, even as we look at our own expectations, to make sure that they're in proper order. You know, I didn't actually finish the story of the perfect tree. And this is an adaption of a book that uh, Carolyn Demas wrote. And actually, how she ends the story is this way. Um, Rabbit is tired and frustrated because he can't find the perfect tree. And after deer suggested it's not even possible, he goes home and he's just about home when he looks out there. And there, once you know it, there's a tree that's bushy and pointy and green and smells good. And it's just like Christmas. And he gets all excited and decorates the tree. And all of his furry friends come to celebrate with him. That's why we call it fiction. There is going to be no perfect relationship. There's going to be no perfect Christmas. There's going to be no, no, all of these things. And yet we still have the opportunity if we will even take something from a story here to say, you know what? If I can manage expectations like Jesus managed expectations, it can be a whole lot better. And that's what my prayer and my hope is for all of us this Christmas. Let's pray. There's Jesus. Thank you for a story that's just interesting in different ways, and yet we can step back and, and look at how you dealt with expectations. As we sit here this morning, every person in this room is dealing with expectations and maybe feeling them even more so at this season. I pray that you would give them wisdom. I pray that you would give them grace. I pray that you would fill them with love for people in their story that may be even difficult. But God, as we navigate this season, I pray that you would help us to handle expectations well. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Two questions this morning. I ask this one question every single week. But it's whether or not you've ever trusted Jesus Christ. See, maybe you're putting your expectations in yourself that you'll be good enough to get to heaven. That will never happen because you'll never be good enough. But you can put your expectations in Jesus Christ who won't let you down, who came and died on a cross for your sin and rose again to defeat that sin and to offer you a relationship with our Heavenly Father. And you can invite him into your story and he will not disappoint you. He will become your Savior and that's who we worship at Christmas morning. So you've never invited Jesus Christ in your life, I invite you to do that where you sit this morning, a simple conversation between you and God. Jesus, I believe that you came, that you died for my sin, rose again. I want to ask you to come into my life. If you're a Jesus follower already, maybe you need to examine the expectations you have. Maybe you have a situation, a relationship. 
and ask God to give you wisdom in those. Maybe you need to examine just yourself and the expectations that you tend to put on others. Maybe you manipulate. Maybe you misuse them. Maybe you just need to make that right with God. Just do what you need to do in this moment. And so, Jesus, we ask for your help. We ask for your grace. We ask for your mercy. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.